Good morning, everyone. How's everybody today? All right, let's all stand together. And somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something he is or does or will do. Nobody else wants to say anything? We're going to read from Psalm 104 today. Psalm 104. 
Psalm 104 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should, not, should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took the flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has her home in, in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows it's time for setting. <clears throat> you make darkness and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and is, it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. So this is a very lengthy psalm, and what we learn in this psalm is that none of us would have anything without the Lord. The Lord created everything. He's that... He's at work in creation. He didn't just create it and leave it to go. Like people say, it's like a watch. He just let it go and he made it. Like, he's, he's intimately involved with his creation. If the Lord doesn't give his creation food, then it doesn't eat. If the Lord takes his spirit away from any, any, anything or any of us, then we return to dust. So think about this psalm today as we praise the, the Lord who gives us all things. He gives us the breath in our lungs. He gives us that so that we can praise him. Let's do that today together. We're going to sing some songs, but first let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Morning. It's nice to see a lot of new faces out here. Now's the time in service for communion. If you're a baptized believer, we invite you to take communion with us. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. We thank you, Holy Father, for your holy name, which you made to dwell in our hearts, and for knowledge and faith and, immort and immortality, immortality, as you made known to us through Jesus, your servant. Glory to you forever. You, Lord God Almighty, created all things to show forth your name. You give both food and drink to man to enjoy an everlasting life through your servant. Above all, we thank you because you are mighty. Glory to you forever. Remember, Lord, your church to deliver her from evil and mature her in your love and gather her from the four winds, separated into your kingdom, which you have made for her because you have the power and glory forever. Let grace, and com let grace come and this world pass away. Hosanna to the son of David. If anyone is holy, let him come. If anyone is not, let him repent. Marathona. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. Now is the time in the service for announcements. We're always collecting empty pill bottles. Um, we collect them to give them over to Matthew 25 Ministries. They use them locally and globally for shredding, recycling, and different shipments for medical supplies. Um, out in the foyer, you'll see an empty plastic container that you can put them in. We also collect um, used ink cartridge, um, yeah, used ink cartridges. Uh, so you can not put them in your trash and bring them to us. <laughs> um, we uh, use them to help offset any costs for office supplies here at the church. <laughs> Couldn't get that out. <laughs> Food pantry, closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Donations can be dropped off um, of clothing and shoes. Uh, from yourself, from your neighbor, if you want to bring them in for them, for coworkers. I've had lots of people ask me on Facebook or at my workplace, do you know where we can drop these things off? We will take them. Um, we like to keep them in season, um, no stains, no holes, things like that. Something you would wear, we would like to give out to um, people in the community that need them. Um, if you'd like to come and see what we do uh, to serve, to pray with people, or just to share, um, box up some of the food. We can always use extra hands. There's always something going on. Um, so we would love to have you. Refit is free dance fitness class every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday here. Uh, it's 6.30 to 7.30. Empty nesters. Um, they're working through the women of the Bible. It's actually a book for the whole entire year. It's Thursday at 10 a.m. at Ruth Liming's house. Breakfast Fellowship, first Sunday of the month at 9.30, so that is next Sunday. Breakfast is always better when we eat together. We do a lot of eating here. <laughs> Weekly budget is listed there, and then some of the ministries you support through giving at Heartland. Ways to give is in person and online. If you are someone who gets on the website regularly to look at the calendar or to set up regular giving, things like that, we are working on it. So there are some technical difficulties currently because we're switching from one site um, to another. So if you try to tell someone how to get here for a service or for an outreach or for like the chosen on Sunday nights, it's gonna take you to directions in California. We are not in California, um, but we're working on it, I promise. Um, we are showing The Chosen season one every Sunday through July 9th at 6.30 to 7.45. We do have free popcorn and drinks. You're welcome to bring your own, you know, movie style candies and things like that. But we do have free popcorn and drinks, so we'd love to have you tonight, 6.30. Now is the time for 10-minute meet and greet. And if there are any kiddos that would like to go downstairs for Children's Church, they can follow me. Yeah. 
search the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough then you came along and put me back
to break up the family time, but got to get got to get to it. All righty, so let's turn together in our Bibles today to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, and we're going to read verses one through five. Acts two, one through sorry, one through four. I don't want to read one through five. I want to read one through four. It probably says five on the outline, but it's one through four. So Acts 1 through 4, when you find that in your Bible, Acts 2, 1 through 4, when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is Holy Spirit Baptism. Now this is part four of this series. Uh, We've been in this for the last uh, few weeks. So Amy was talking about we're switching over our website. So I do encourage you to go listen to those other ones, but you only see that the first two are up because of that situation with the website. Hopefully, we can get the other one up this week, but we'll find out. But either way, I would encourage you to go listen to the rest of these because there's a lot of groundwork that I laid there that may answer some of the questions you have after you hear what I say today if you've not heard the other three. So, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the scriptures say, 1 through 4, sorry, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. And you may be seated. Apologies, hold on real quick. All right, so today is the day of Pentecost. Now, on this day 2,000 years ago, 50 days after the Lord Jesus rose from the grave, 10 days after the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven as the astonished apostles stood there and watched him with their mouths wide open, What Jesus sent, what the Father promised. He poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit on the church. Now, over the past few weeks, we've taken a deep dive into the subject. We've learned that the promise of Holy Spirit baptism is for all God's people. We learned that the meaning of Holy Spirit baptism is to receive the gift the Father promised, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit poured out on you, and to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. For Luke, those are all different ways of talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given on the day of Pentecost. We've also seen that the purpose of Holy Spirit baptism is to receive supernatural spiritual gifts that equip us for Christ's honoring service. We touched on the practical aspects of Holy Spirit baptism. We saw that Holy Spirit baptism happens after water baptism, and Holy Spirit baptism happens through prayer and the apostles placing their hands on people. Last week, we 
talked about why that last statement is true. It's because Jesus gave the apostles power and authority to represent him in all matters that pertain to the church. Jesus gave his apostles the keys to the kingdom. He gave the apostles the authority to open the door of the church to some and close it to others. Gave them the authority to bind and loose, to forgive and not forgive sin. And Jesus gave the apostles the authority to baptize with the Holy Spirit through prayer and the laying on of their hands. Now today we're going to expand on that and we're going to see how the apostles appointed faithful men to take their place in passing that gift on to others. That's what we'll talk about today. Let's pray. Father, illuminate our hearts and minds to understand your word. And through your all-holy, good, and life-giving spirit, give us grace to obey the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So from the beginning of the church, the apostles were in charge of the church. In the first few chapters of Acts, Luke tells us how the apostles guided the church in picking a replacement apostle for Judas. The apostles preached the gospel. The apostles performed powerful signs and wonders as witnesses that Jesus rose from the grave. The apostles taught doctrine that the church was to learn and obey. The apostles oversaw distributing the proceeds being gathered by the church to feed all the people in the church. But as the church grew, it became apparent the apostles were not able to do everything that was involved with the church. So the apostles appointed others to take over certain tasks for them. First, it was the physical aspects of the church that they appointed people to uh, take their place in, as Luke tells us in Acts 6, 1 through 7. Now, at this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The announcement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Permanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And they brought these men before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So here Luke begins to show us how the authority Jesus gave the apostles was passed down from the apostles to faithful men in the church. So the 12 apostles called the congregation of disciples the entire church in Jerusalem together. And the apostles tell the church to choose seven men, men they know are filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And the apostles will put these men in charge of meeting the physical needs of the church. And they did this so that the apostles could devote themselves fully to meeting the spiritual needs of the church through prayer and the ministry of the word of God. So the church chose seven men Then the apostles prayed for these seven men, laid their hands on them, and transferred their authority to these seven men to officially act on behalf of the apostles to meet the physical needs of the church. So these men were the first to be ordained to an official office in the church 
by the apostles. And this, uh, this office later became known as the diaconate, and the men who are ordained to that office are known as deacons. Now, after the apostles appointed the first deacons in the church, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all, everything I'm saying here is all in the book of Acts. You can read that, and you'll see all this stuff's going on. So this great persecution breaks out, and all but the apostles were scattered to different parts of the world. And all who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to Samaria and preached the gospel. There, Philip is one of these people who were just ordained as a deacon. So before he gets much time to do much in Jerusalem, he basically has to, he gets run out of town because, because of the persecution that's going on. Anyway, so we pick up the story in Acts 8, 9 through 15, where it says, Now a man named Simon had previously been practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And all the people from small to great were paying attention to him, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they were paying attention to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip as he was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were being baptized. Now, even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was repeatedly amazed. So again, Philip is one of the deacons who were appointed by the apostles to serve the church in Jerusalem. But the persecution in Jerusalem drove the deacons and the rest of the disciples out of Jerusalem. So the apostles are the only ones who remain in Jerusalem at that time. So Philip goes to Samaria and preaches the gospel there. And the Lord does signs and great miracles through Philip to confirm the word that he's preaching, to confirm the message Philip preached about Jesus. And we can assume that Philip preached the same message about Jesus that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. The people believe the good news that Jesus is the king of God's kingdom, and it's proven that he's God's king by his resurrection from the dead. And through repentance and baptism, well, they can have their sins forgiven, be saved, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, those who believe that message are baptized in water. But notice what Luke says next in Acts 8.14. He says, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Now, why did the apostles in Jerusalem send the apostles Peter and John to Samaria? Well, Luke goes on to tell us in Acts 8.15. He says, they came down and prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. So we ask ourselves, why is this necessary? Why would the apostles need to do that? Well, Luke tells us in Acts 8, 16. He says, for or because he, the Holy Spirit, had not yet fallen upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these believers had been baptized in water, but had not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Luke goes on in Acts 8, 17 to say, then they, he's talking about Peter and John, they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So again, we got to understand in um, Luke's writings, to receive the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, all those mean the same thing. So none of these people had received the Spirit until the apostles came down and laid their hands on them. And then watch what Luke says in Acts 8, 18 through 19. He says, Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, 
He offered them money, saying, give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter's going to go on to rebuke Simon for trying to buy the ability to give the Holy Spirit to people. But what Luke is trying to teach us here, the main point he's trying to get at is only the apostles have the authority to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to people through prayer and the laying on of their hands. So he uses the words of Simon to teach us that truth. Give me this authority. Well, now you can't have that authority because that authority only, only, is only given to the apostles. And the reason we can say this is, why didn't someone else pray for these believers to receive the Holy Spirit? Now, why didn't Philip, who had been ordained to be a deacon by the apostles, and he had the authority to preach and to perform signs and wonders, why didn't he pray for the believers in Samaria, place his hands on them, and baptize them with the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is in the words of Simon the sorcerer. Philip did not have the authority to give the Holy Spirit to anyone. He had an incredible power from the Holy Spirit. He'd received this power from the hands of the apostles, but he had no authority or power to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. See, only the apostles could do that. So the apostles sent Peter and John to pray and lay hands on the newly baptized believers in Samaria, and through prayer and the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Samaritans were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Luke teaches us this same truth again in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. There, Luke writes, Now, it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, On the contrary, we have not even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of, of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. So Paul, he's also called Saul, right, in, in the scripture before he becomes an apostle. He, he was not one of the original 12 apostles. Instead, Paul was one of Christ's worst enemies, persecuted the church, tried to destroy the church, and he was responsible for the death of Stephen, which is another one of the deacons appointed by the apostles. Well, Paul became an apostle after the Lord Jesus appeared to him on the road to Emmaus. The Lord told Paul that Paul would be his apostle to the Gentiles. And as we saw in the verses we just read, like the other apostles, Paul had authority to give the Holy Spirit to those he laid his hands on. So the Lord gave the apostles this authority to give the gift of the Holy Spirit through prayer and placing their hands on people. So what happened after the apostles were no longer around? Did the authority to baptize with the Holy Spirit, did it pass away with the apostles? Well, the scriptures teach us that the apostles appointed other men in the church and gave them the authority to pray and lay hands on people to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And these men were called presbyters, bishops, elders, shepherds, overseers, all those things basically mean the same thing. And Luke first mentions the apostles appointing elders in Acts 14. Now there Luke tells us about the apostles Paul and Barnabas. And they're sent on a missionary trip from the church in Antioch. 
And they preach the gospel of the kingdom in many places. And the Lord confirms the message of God's grace by allowing Paul and Barnabas to perform signs and wonders. And they gain a lot of disciples for Christ. They start churches in every city. And in Acts 14, 20 through 23, Luke tells us, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. And then here's what we want to get at next. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, Having prayed with fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the apostles appointed or ordained elders in every church. Now you'll see some, maybe you have a translation, the footnote says, or had them appointed. Just let me tell you that that's utter nonsense. That is not what this says. That's not what happened. It wasn't that they had them appointed. They went there and they appointed them because only the apostles had authority to appoint people as elders in the church. So that's what they did. And these elders were given the authority by the apostles to shepherd God's flock by teaching them the faith that the apostles taught. In Acts 15, we see the same thing had already been done in the church in Jerusalem. So there, there we learn how the apostles and elders handled a problem that came up in the church. Luke says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This 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 brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed by the leaders of the church in Antioch, along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. Now, as you continue to read this story, you see the apostles and elders work together in a council to make a decision about whether Gentiles are supposed to be circumcised or not. So by the time, this time in church history, the apostles had already ordained elders in Jerusalem and had given them the authority to work with the apostles in building the church. The apostles ordained elders who had the authority of the apostles to teach the faith the apostles taught. Now, when we look at Paul's letters to Titus and Timothy, we see that the authority to appoint or ordain elders was passed on from the apostles to the elders in the church so that they could appoint other elders in the church. In Titus 1, 4 through 5, Paul writes this, To Titus, my true son, in our common faith, Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Titus, who was appointed to be an elder by the Apostle Paul, was also given authority to appoint other elders in every town, just like Paul and Barnabas had done in their missionary journey. And in this way, the authority and the faith of the apostles was to be passed from generation to generation. And that's what Paul says in Timothy, says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So what Paul's saying here is Timothy is is to pass the authority to teach the faith that Paul taught him. He's to pass the faith 
on to faithful people, people who will be able to teach others. And part of the faith that Timothy was to pass down is how the authority of the apostles is passed down to the elders in the church. That it comes through prayer and the laying on of the apostles' hands. As we read in 1 Timothy 1.6, Paul says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul tells us what this gift is in 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8. He says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel of the power of God. So Timothy received the gift of the Holy Spirit when Paul laid his hand on Timothy. And through the power of the Spirit, Timothy was enabled, empowered by God to continue in Christ-honoring service as a minister of the gospel. But Paul was not alone when he laid his hands on Timothy to give him the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is mind-blowing when I actually saw this connection right here. Absolutely blew my mind. In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul says this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was granted to you through the words of prophecy, through words of prophecy, with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. So by the time Paul writes this letter, just around 20 years after Jesus poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit, there is already a council of elders in the church who were laying hands on people to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here we see that the purpose of Holy Spirit baptism is spelled out for us very clearly. Timothy was given the gift of the Holy Spirit when Paul and the elders placed their hands on him, and with the Holy Spirit came the spiritual gifting, the supernatural power that qualified and equipped Timothy for Christ-honoring service. And just like Titus, Timothy was also given authority to appoint others to the office of elder. And we know this because in 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul says, Do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. This laying on of hands here is in appointing people to eldership in the church. And with that appointment, elders are given authority from the apostles to baptize with the Holy Spirit. So in the church, the elders have been given authority that was handed down by the apostles to administer the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we close, I want to ask, how do we apply this today? How does this apply to us? 2,000 years after the first Pentecost, how do we receive Holy Spirit baptism? There's a lot of answers people will give you. We got to pray. We got to wait like the apostles did. We got to do all this. Well, the scriptures teach us that after people are baptized in water, the elders of the church should lay hands on newly baptized believers and ask God to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we should expect God to answer that prayer and baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And with that gifting will come supernatural spiritual power to equip them for Christ-honoring service in the church. And i got to tell you, I've grown up in a tradition that didn't do things like this, right? It's chaos is what it turns into. People don't allow the elders of the church to do what the scriptures tell us to do, and so they give everybody this so-called authority to baptize in the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't exist. That's not what the scriptures teach. That's why things are so chaotic. 
uh, the Lord is not the author of confusion, right? The scriptures teach us that. There's nothing confusing about this. This is very simple that Jesus ordained people who then ordained people who then ordained people so that they could receive the gift of the Spirit through the laying on of hands of the, the elders, in essence, receiving the gift from the apostles because it's passed on to the elders in the church. So that's what we should do. We should have people get baptized, pray for them to receive the Spirit, meaning the elders lay our hands on them, pray for them to receive the Spirit, and believe that that will happen. Now, one question we've not addressed in this series is, should we expect something to happen when people are baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, you need to come back next week to hear the answer to that question. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about that next week, and I'm going to give you more, more proof that what I just said about this laying on of hands is something that's been passed on in the church. We'll talk about all that, but you've got to come back next week to hear it. So, let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your goodness to us, your grace in our lives. Thank you that through your word we can know the truth, understand the truth. Help us to understand. Help us to not only be hearers of your word, but to be doers. That as we learn truth from your word, we put that truth into practice. I bless everybody here. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So they're going to sing a song. As they do that, um, I'm going to go back with this gentleman named Isaiah here. And get ready uh, to, for baptism. We're going to baptize him. He's, uh, he came to us last week, said he wanted to be baptized. We talked about that, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to baptize him in water, and then I'm going to do what I just said today. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon him, and we're going to believe that the Lord will do that. So we're going to practice that. So as, um, as they sing this song, you're also welcome to come forward and pray. We'll have people to come up, uh, come up here and pray with you. Uh, and I'll say this. If you have a question about something I've said today, just ask me about it. We'll talk about it, and then we can... Um, I'm sure you got questions. I still have a lot of questions myself, but questions aren't bad. Questions aren't bad because questions lead us to the truth. If we don't ever question anything, we never end up with the truth. If you have questions, let me know. We'll talk about that. And if anybody else is here, they don't know the Lord, you haven't become a part of his kingdom by being baptized, then I'll invite you to do that. Uh, the, war, the water, I hope it's warm. I don't know if it's warm or not. Uh, the, the heater's on. We'll see if it's warm. All right, it's good. It's like a bath, hopefully. A warm bath. So... 110, it's a hot tub. <laughs> so if anybody else, I mean, you, don't, you, don't, you haven't been baptized, you want to be baptized, just come forward and we'll, we'll do that as well. So I'm going to, they're going to sing this song, I'm going to get ready, but I'll speak the Lord's blessing over you all before I do that. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Tasted and seen.
Oh 
be seated. There's a little circle thing. It's buffering. <laughs> I think we're uh, waiting on the Amy to bring the kids up, so talk amongst yourselves for a couple minutes. And no, I, I can talk about baptism just for a minute. So um, on the day of Pentecost, Peter obviously preached the, the, the message that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and the fact that he uh, rose from the dead is proof of that, and then he sent the apostles to be witnesses of, of this whole thing, that Jesus is the King of God's kingdom. And so the people that day, they asked, they asked Peter, what should we do? You know, we crucified our Messiah. What do we do now? And so Peter responded with that, what's on the screen there, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And I don't know exactly the way that's worded. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we talk through that series, we know that, that the Holy Spirit wasn't given in water baptism. It was given at the laying on of hands after people are baptized. So that's what we're going to do. What water baptism does is it prepares us to receive the Spirit. We're born again through water and the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is at work in the water, making us children of God. And that's what's going to happen with Isaiah here today. So, Isaiah, I'm going to have you repeat after me. They say, I believe, believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. My Lord and my Savior. My Lord and my Savior. All right, I'm going to have you turn around. Go ahead and hold your notes. Isaiah, based on your confession of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So in obedience to the things we just read, I'm going to pray now for the, the, the Lord to pour out the Holy Spirit upon Isaiah. Lord, we thank you right now for your son, Isaiah. He's born again through water and the spirit. And now we ask you to pour out your spirit upon him. Give him the power to walk in the grace of God. Lead him and guide him in all the truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And then one more on the prayer.
And Isaiah, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If nobody else wants to get in here, I mean, it really is like a bath in here. It's like a warm bath. It's pretty warm. Yeah. <laughs> so if nobody else, um, give us a couple minutes to get, get ready. Congratulate Isaiah when he comes out. Welcome him to the family and just give him some encouragement and, uh, and the rest of his family as well. So uh, we're going to have him close this, this, um, this thing and then don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain after that. Just go ahead amongst yourself. So <laughs> you guys are all free to leave, but again, stay around and uh, encourage Isaiah and his faith, all right?
place just for you no condemnation at this table there is a place just for you there is a place just for you
worry when giants come calling my name. My God is so much bigger than troubles I face. Why would I hunger for power, riches, or fame? Oh, cause my God is so much better than all of these things. So I won't be God.